My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, December. And I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Electric. And you know why? Electric. Why is that? Because I have tickets to a concert that has not been canceled and is tomorrow night. Let's go. Cleopatric, a band I discovered this year playing a small, intimate gig, 30-minute walk away. I love living in the city. It was $20 tickets. I'm so excited. I'm going to go see them again in Toronto in 10 days. Oh, that's sick. You're just going to follow them. Might as well hop yeah. on the band bus. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that one will be a little more special because they're from Port Coburg. Okay. And this will be like the biggest show they've played around Toronto. Uh, I know they just did a tour in the UK. I saw, or like a week in the UK, I saw some Instagram videos from that and those venues looked pretty packed. So I don't know about biggest show or anything, but I think it'll be pretty special to see them at a proper Toronto venue, like the Danforth as basically a hometown show. Uh, Their biggest song is called Hometown. So that'll be interesting. Awesome. Yes. Other than that, well, that's just getting me through it. I had a really annoying work day where we spent basically three hours walking through a garage, taking three times as long as it should. But I don't even care because I'm so excited for this show. And work's almost done as I'm going home soon. How are you doing, my friend? I am buzzing as well, dude. I just procured my ticket to Thursday night, opening night, Spider-Man No Way Home. Fired up for that. Um I yeah, have no the, idea where that was going. We have we have different tastes, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're both excited. Um, Cineplex's site was broken, so I went with the discount option, Landmark Cinemas, 10-15 uh, p.m. on the Thursday night. I am pumped up past my bedtime, but I'll be juiced. And uh, looking forward to that. Also headed home in a couple of weeks. My birthday is just around the corner, and this David's Tea Advent calendar be hitting. So things are great right now. We're, this love, is all-time positive vibes podcast right now. No kidding. I love that some things like the David's Tea Advent calendar just don't seem to change. Oh, yeah. Hey, you got to stick with what you love. And especially right now in the cold, in these uncertain times, sometimes it's best to just enjoy the comforts of life. Yeah, uh, I'm doing so with a different strain of products so to speak but as you just said we have different tastes though we do meet in the middle on plenty mainly sports which is what this podcast is all about yes sir. today we've got a good dose of the usual stuff some football our basketball and hockey seems to be focusing on the best teams around the league in each sport so maybe something of a theme of the show there not sure if you want to tie in your football towards that maybe and it doesn't look like too many of the baseball notes will go that way but a general theme for this episode as we keep you up to date on the three biggest sports leagues and some off-season baseball news for you oh football to start let's just go let's just keep it rolling positive vibes i told you last week michigan how that encompasses my positive vibes closeted fan coming out the closet enjoying the big win against the rival and they now have the big 10 championship against iowa this sunday 
in order to secure their top four ranking in the country and their birth to the college football playoffs for the first time, they will need to beat Iowa. I think they can do that, but it is going to be a battle of two run heavy teams. Um, other top four teams, Georgia, Alabama, the game of the year, uh, the top two teams in the nation, essentially both SEC rivals, uh, Georgia undefeated Alabama just with one loss, but they are going at it, a battle of the best defense in the country versus a high-powered offense. And, oh, man, just a couple of really fun games during uh, championship week. It's going to be some awesome action. We've got Houston up against Cincinnati. Cincinnati just right there. So close to making the college football playoff, being the first non-Big uh, Five conference, Power Five conference team to make it to the college football playoffs. If they go undefeated, you can't really keep them out, so they have to win this weekend against Houston. Um, other wild stuff happening in college football, some, some coaches on the move, most notably Ryan Kelly moving on from Notre Dame to go coach at LSU. Um, Notre Dame, though, with a Michigan loss, with a Oklahoma State loss and with a Cincinnati loss, probably they're ranked number five right now. They could probably jump into that college football playoffs. Unprecedented to have a coach leave their team to pursue their job when they are one week away from potentially a college football playoff berth. It's kind of like, I don't know, Nick Nurse taking the Raptors to the finals and then dipping out for that series and going to get the Lakers job. I think there'd be some contract stipulations or some crazy penalties they could be hit with if that was proven to be conspiratorial like it almost sounds that way yeah it's i mean the team that he's going to is nowhere near it uh lsu mm -hmm. having a tough year but yeah just really wild stuff and um yeah crazy crazy college football week but that's, that's pretty much all I know. It's, I'm not the biggest college football guy, but had to definitely touch on it because it's such a big weekend coming up. I'm going to move on into the professional football league uh, tonight's game between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints um, is a pretty important game for both these teams. So you're uh, exhibiting a bit of a slump and it's a Really important game for them to win to get back on track. Uh, New Orleans, of course, with Trevor, Trevor Simeon at the helm has just not been the same as when they were operating with Jameis Winston and, of course, Drew Brees in previous seasons. But they are going up against a relatively depleted Dallas defense. Um, Dallas is actually missing key players all over the field. Uh, Dak hasn't looked his healthiest in the last three weeks. So if there's a good a time as any... Uh, for the Saints to, to catch the Cowboys here, this would be the time. Uh, looking forward to the game tonight. I remember at the start of this season, you talking about the Cowboys offense last season, talking about the Saints defense. Is this still a best versus best matchup or are the teams slumping too much and too far away from those strengths to say that? I would say it would be if they were both healthy, but Dallas yeah. is missing their number one and number two receivers in C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Uh, and then on the Saints side, they are missing some key pieces. Lattimore has been injured most of the year. Uh, Davenport's still there. The Saints team can still stop the run, which is what Dallas has leaned on at a decent rate so far this season. But these two teams aren't at their peak of their powers, uh, but still really fun game with two historic franchises. Yeah, I guess that's middle of the season football. Grind out the wins with depleted lineups.
Exactly, exactly. Let's move on to the Sunday. Uh, I have three games here that I'm looking forward to the most. The first one, once again, every week we're going to have an AFC West versus AFC North matchup to highlight because these two divisions are probably the two strongest in the AFC, and, and they're just in a bloodbath to see who can grab those wildcard spots, the Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. This feels a little bit like a loser leaves town game. Uh, you lose this one. You really lose a ton of ground in the wildcard race. Um, the Chargers still have a solid record at six and five, but feel a lot worse than, than it shows right now on paper. Um, they shouldn't have lost last week to my Denver Broncos, but they did. Their offense has the capability to operate at a much higher level than it is right now. And they give up the run a ton, which is going to be what Cincinnati pours on Joe Mixon with a big week last week, and he's going to have another big week this week for Cincinnati. Um, I would lean the Bengals here just with the way that they'll be able to move the ball on this Chargers defense. A big AFC North rivalry, an instant classic. There's never a bad one of these between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, one of the best rivalries in the NFL, but this is probably could be one of the worst ones we've seen in a while between these two. Lamar Jackson threw four uh, interceptions last week. Big Ben is maybe a week away from just being put down like an old injured horse. Um, and it's going to be a defensive slugfest. I would hammer the under on this game. And I think Baltimore pulls it out because they have somehow managed to pull out a bunch of games this year. They're, they're probably not as strong as their record suggests. Um, but they are getting the benefit of the doubt against the Steelers this week. Last game here, the marquee game, the game. Um, there's been a lot of interesting favorite underdog matchups. Not all games have lived up to the hype. I think for the casual football fan, this game won't. But for the hardcore football fan, the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots, the battle for first in the AFC East is going to be a war. Uh, the Patriots are a bully. They're slug fest, smash mouth, whatever cliche you want to throw in there. They're a tough football team. Um, and they're going to beat up on this Bills team who are now missing their top corner in Tredavious White, which is a big loss. They do get uh, Starla Tulule back in that uh, run-stopping defense that they have. But will the Bills be able to keep up offensively with the way that the Patriots will be able to run the ball on their defense? I think it's possible. They're still figuring it out. It's kind of a two different styles offensively where the Bills just cannot seem to figure out their run game and the Pats rely heavily on the run game. And both teams aren't necessarily suited to stop those. But the Bills especially aren't clicking at the peak of their offensive powers. And I said this now for a couple of weeks. It's, something's just off with this team. And I am actually going to lean the Patriots here just with the momentum that they've been riding. Uh, they've been playing really solid fundamental football. And I think the bills just haven't figured out enough of their problems yet to, to beat the Patriots. But then we turn around, I believe three weeks from now, they play again at the end of December and that will be the game uh, where things will get really interesting. Uh, once again, anytime a division rivalry is going on, I recommend hitting the under. And uh, that's what I recommend again for this game. These teams know each other quite well. I didn't want to throw it in here. It's not in the notes, but I guess I have to throw in the Denver-Kansas City game as another matchup to highlight, even though I just plugged my nose and, and 
it's like throwing out the trash, putting the Broncos in a marquee matchup. Um, especially if Teddy Bridgewater is not playing because Drew Locke was just like my eyes bled for the solid five minutes that he was in there. But uh, Teddy is healthy enough to play. And this is a chance for the Broncos to <laughs> tie Kansas City atop the AFC West, which would be would would be wild uh, but Kansas City also on a bit of a roll now and it'll be a battle of the high-powered Kansas City offense going up against Vic Fangio's defense who helped set the blueprint a little bit on how to contain Mahomes in this chief offense so we'll see if what sort of adjustments the Chiefs have to uh to counter this uh defense that the Broncos like to play where they sit over top of guys and and just keep them in front of them in the middle of the field. All right, that's going to do it for me with the Football Fan Cave preview for Sunday. Uh, We're going to jump into basketball storylines now. Max, where do you want to start? I think we'll start off with some news before getting into our recaps of the games this week. So kind of saw this one coming. Both the Chicago Bulls and Miami Heat have been fined with uh, losing their next second round draft pick over campering talks, I guess for engaging with uh, Kyle Lowry on the Heat's end and Lonzo Ball on the Bulls end before the allotted time they do so. Oh, if you are a GM in this league, you see this punishment handed out, does this disincentivize you at all from going out and engaging in this exact same behavior uh, next offseason if you have the chance? I mean, if, if you're a GM and you're being diplomatic about it, Yes, it does, because uh, teams and GMs value their second-round picks more than I think we know and understand. Like, it is a draft pick. There have been some really solid players that have been drafted in the second round. My mind instantly goes to, like, a Manu Ginobili, a Nikola Jokic, uh, guys like that. I mean, those are once-in-a-blue-moon type players, but you always want to have a shot, right, in that second round. For both these teams, it might be a little bit of a later pick but the key or the main message that you're going to get from this and not the one that i just talked about is no it doesn't disincentivize you it's it's a second round pick they throw they throw away five of these in trades because it's just that little like cherry on top overall not a ton of value there and for what you get in alonzo ball in a kyle lowry um those deals being made and the value that these guys have brought to their teams a second round pick is just send it out the door send five out the door i don't care this is it's incredible to get a guy like this on the deals that they did um and not have to give up anything at all it is a little bit of a joke yeah you basically lose your chance to win the lottery on a player like nicole Jokic or manny ginobili and in exchange you get a player who's going to take your team to the next level that's a deal any reasonable person with a risk and chance assessment would take so it seems to me like the nba is not actually that interested in disincentivizing this behavior because if they were they'd be taking first round picks for this which i think would actually have some effect on uh trying to dissuade teams from behaving in this so it's a slap on the wrist I think it's clear for everyone to see what it is and we can expect this kind of behavior to continue and if everyone's good with that we can move along yeah 
I wouldn't do it either. Like they make just as much money with people following and engaging with their content in the off season as they do during the actual regular season. So, yeah. All right, let's move on here. A couple games that I wanted to highlight that happened this week before we get, of course, to the big one that everyone tuned in for on Tuesday night. Uh, Demonis Sabonis, 26 rebounds he procured against the Minnesota Timberwolves, even though the Pacers lost that game. That's a, that's a big-time performance for him. There are always rumors circulating with the Pacers about the lack of fit between Miles Turner and Sabonis, and if one of those guys could be potentially in the trade market and on to move to a contender. Uh, we'll keep our eyes continually uh, peeled and our ears open to see if anything like that happens. It hasn't now for quite a few years, but you never know. That's that's the type of guy that teams are looking at, Sabonis or Turner, that could instantly take your team to the next level. I saw a fun post on NBA Reddit today speculating, like, if you're the Pacers, do you ever consider saying F it and just trading to get uh, Irvin and Simmons and like raise the potential ceiling on this top team being way higher than it can be right now for whatever stability it has? Yeah, it, it, it's such a like middling team, right? And that's kind of the worst place to be in, in yeah, too good North to American tank. professional sports. Yeah. Um, so I could definitely see it. They just seem pretty comfortable though to stay pat with what they have seems that way uh the pacers lose to the timberwolves in that game speaking on the timberwolves they, they have had a couple injuries this week they were hot this week they lost they ended up losing um i believe the, the most recent game uh the other night but crazy stat that i heard listening to the mismatch podcast uh with kevin o'connor and chris vernon is that the wolves starting five this lineup of Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and Patrick Beverly Max is a league best plus 48 per 100 possessions in 92 minutes of time on the court together. So they haven't played a ton of time together, but this lineup, when those five guys are on the court together, the Wolves kill teams. I uh, zoned out a little there when you read the lineup. Say it one more time. So we've got, of course, the big three, D'Lo, Cat, Anthony Edwards. And then okay. it's supplemented by two defensive first guys in Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt. Wow. Yeah. That uh, Another game that caught my eye this week was the double OT Timberwolves and Sixers game, which the Timberwolves eventually pulled out as well. And I was messing around with Getting lead pass figured out, trying to watch it. And yeah, four of those guys on at all times. And ultimately, defensively, they won that, I think, holding the 76ers to seven points in the second overtime. And with so, Edwards with that block on Embiid at the end. <laughs> yeah. So 11 and 11, a lot of teams, like um, yes. the Denver Nuggets, 10 and 11 in 10th place right now in the West. The Memphis Grizzlies, 11 and 10 in fifth. So the Timberwolves right in the middle of pack with this big clump of teams who all seem to be going roundabout, showing highs and lows up and down this season. Yeah, it is a heavy middle. And there are some teams at the bottom making a slight push to join those teams in the middle. One of those being the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Zion mm -hmm. suffering a bit of a setback in his recovery uh, reported this week, which is just a bummer to hear. But once he's back, he may have the best spaced 
backcourt in the league because he's got a center right now leading the league in three-point percentage, dropping bombs. Him and Steph Curry are the only players so far uh, to hit seven threes in a game and go for 30-plus. And, uh, of course, naturally, I'm talking about Jonas Valanciunas, the name that is on the top of everyone's mind when you think of sharpshooters. (laughs) And what we give to have him on the wraps right now, eh? Oh, my God. He's just – he's so perfect – I mean, obviously he's a dinosaur when you look at what the NBA has become, but because of that, with his size and honestly, like great footwork, great technical ability, great touch for a big man, he feasts in this modern NBA. Um, Not typically from the three-point line, usually from the post, but he was feeling it. And on a team with no expectations against the Clippers team that uh, doesn't have necessarily the perfect center to go up with JV, he was just, he was dropping bombs. He was firing it away. Uh, we saw it last year on Memphis. He gives you like 15 and 12 every night. And there are so many teams in the league right now who could use a guy like JV. I'm just so happy to see him continue to have success uh, and, and get his brief shine in the spotlight this week on a dumpster fire of a Pelicans team. Yeah, the Gasol for Valanciunas trade going back didn't feel like a bit of a, um, the future for the present yeah. and like it seemed very much like Gasol was the br- blueprint that Valanciunas could develop into the defense maybe not quite there but having a ridiculous yeah. season on the boards and offensively bit of the Andre Drummond effect probably but uh nice to see it yeah the the biggest difference there is Marcus Gasol was a defensive player of the year yeah and that's something JV will probably will not yeah. ascend to <laughs> But within a certain scheme, he can probably provide enough room protection. And then his offensive skill set is just so valuable and rare in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, any other games catch your eye this week? Um, the only last one was last night. Giannis with the, I love the play design on that game-winning layup that he had against the Charlotte Hornets. Of course, LaMelo Ball with an awesome uh, career-high 36-point night the game tying three pointer, but they designed the play so that the action is close to the ball on the inbounds. It gets to holiday. And then he swings it to Giannis. Who's basically starting like a running back starting from like half court, getting that seven yard run up towards the line of scrimmage. He catches it with a full head of steam, impossible to stop him when he's got it going like that. And he's able to slide it in. (laughs) He's been full of great quotes so far this year after the game saying I'm getting old I can't just dunk over people anymore I need to be a little sneaky sometimes just all-timer how can you not love Giannis and the Bucks man they're on a roll he's out tonight we don't know why so maybe the Raptors can steal one here but uh yeah Milwaukee at full strength right up there with the contenders yeah it was only a matter of time Shame on me for missing that layup. As I was telling Owen pregame, I passed out with about six minutes to go in that quarter and completely forgot I even watched it until about noon today. Uh, but yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that about LaMelo. He was in rhythm. Like he was just pulling up from deep on three-pointers when they gave him an inch of space. Uh, it feels like he's going to develop into something special. He's got the eternal green light. <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking of contenders, we had 
the two contenders. Um, build as the game of the year so far did not disappoint. Really, really fun one. Even with Devin Booker going out uh, at the at halftime point of the game, the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors in the first of two matchups this week going at it. A 16 game win streak versus the best record in the league getting put on the table and the Phoenix Suns make a statement in this win. Um, The things that really stood out to me was some of the bench production from guys like JaVale McGee uh, really using his size against that Warriors unit who doesn't, who don't have necessarily like a super prolific center. Kevon Looney's there, but he was outclassed a little bit by Aiton and McGee. And then Jordan Poole, another guy with the eternal green light, disappeared in the fourth quarter but for the first three quarters was a great secondary scoring boost but the story of this game max is mikhail bridges 100 percent. the the story of this game is the lack of steph curry to put it the other way and that was all mikhail bridges uh for me player of the game because that at was ultimately the story. Uh, this Warriors team got out off a great effort when Curry was off the court. They pulled ahead with that. The Suns slowly inched their way back after that and never really lost steam after that early Warriors run as they tightened up defensively, had a huge second half, and just slowly brought this Warriors offense to a halt and pulled ahead. And then didn't let the gap close once they got ahead. It was all defense. And that was what I loved about this game. And why I agree with you that it didn't disappoint. Both teams doing showing a lot of what they can do best in here. And with the Suns now, we have a trend. They went and played the Nets a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago, shut it down defensively, tons of turnovers, won them that game. And here against the Warriors, again, they force a ton of turnovers and i'll bring it back to mikhail bridges uh i'll actually go back to a little chat we had about 2k uh after one of our podcasts we were talking about making defensive point guards and i said i like my guy to be six foot six foot one the same size as these irvings curries lillards and you said nah i want a big boy long reach swallow him up defensively I think you take that argument because that's exactly what Mikael Bridges did to Stephen Curry. I don't know why I keep pronouncing Mikael like it's Nordic. Yeah, it's 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 not just the fact that he's got that length. It's you have to have a really high level of footwork and lateral quickness to keep up with these guys, right? They're the best in the business at beating guys off the dribble or using their quickness and agility to get open. Steph, you have to chase him around all night. And so not only is Bridges a long defender with some great size and he can be persistent off the ball, but when Curry has the ball and he's making a move and he's trying to drive, Bridges has that quickness laterally to stay with him. And then that's where we've seen Curry struggle the most is in those matchups when this Golden State Warriors team, they rely on a different sort of basketball a different sort of scheme that catches teams in the regular season because everyone's used to pick and roll pick and roll pick and roll now and uh, it's tough to adjust to this different style of of less screening and more off-ball action but the phoenix suns were prepared for this they were shutting down a lot of the off-ball action and forcing steph to create one-on-one in an isolation situation not only against bridges but also against a guy like cam johnson 
also a guy like DeAndre Ayton on a couple of switches. It's such a blessing to have a center of that size and you don't feel totally isolated with him on your other team's point guard. Um, this Suns defense, like you said, was simply dominant and Curry just, he looked fatigued quite honestly. Like there's very few times where it looks like he's having a hard time, uh, but there were a couple bad shots that he put up and, when you shut down everything else, it turns into this Golden State team of first half of last season and the year before where it's Curry producing and not having a ton of support. That's the worry that you see with this team heading towards the playoffs is even with Clay Thompson back, Clay was never an on the ball create for others type of guy. So it's still Steph and then a bunch of auxiliary pieces. And that's maybe the thing that Golden State should be looking into now is do they need one more secondary score creator that isn't Jordan Poole? Because he's just not there yet. Interesting. Because here's the potential of this Golden State Warriors team, I think. They get healthy Clay Thompson. They get healthy James Wiseman. These two players fit seamlessly into the scheme and style of play they're running right now, which has brought them so much success in the West. They have an absolutely lethal backcourt in Curry, Poole, Thompson. Whatever combination of those guys you have on or all three is going to be such firepower. If you can have two on for most of the game, your offense is never really going to run dry. In Wiseman, you just get big hands up in the paint. There were so many plays where Aiden and McGee had two, three cracks at it or just easy cracks on the switch, uh, finding way too much space. Like you said, Looney just not able to bring the size. So Wiseman doesn't have to do much more than that for them to be an asset to their team. He has to do that well enough to keep up with starters in crunch time. Some offensive rebounds would, of course, be nice. With the playmaking Curry, Poole, and Draymond can show, I'm sure he'll get plenty of cut and lob chances and can even do something similar to what Aiton does in disappearing a lot, but suddenly being hyper-efficient. Uh, and this team just gets better defensively, better offensively. They're already, I guess, tied for the best record in the league right now. Or we see those two struggle and not really find their place and you stick some new pieces and the gears all jam up, disrupt, and the momentum stops. Yeah, what, what I see with this team is Clay is going to fit in like a glove offensively. I think defensively, he used to take the really tough matchups. They can now leave that for Andrew Wiggins uh, to be that guy to play more. Um, when Wiggins is off the floor, it'll probably be Clay taking some of that. Also, you have one Tusk. Toscano Anderson uh, as a matchup there too. Otto Porter as well to take some of those bigger wings or or those two guards. Um, so they can ice they can help shelter Clay a little bit more on the defensive end than they used to. Help preserve him. Uh, I think he'll fit fine there. The worry is Wiseman. Uh, he did not fill it, fit in with this system last year. Um, used to more pick and roll and just didn't play a ton in Memphis uh, in his one year of college. So he is just a little bit behind possibly on that development curve. His potential is to be along the lines of a DeAndre, right? A, a legit seven footer who can rebound for you, who can possibly have the athleticism to defend the other team's point guard in a must need situation where you're stranded and he can rebound and then just score with a couple jump hooks and punish 
uh, smaller matchups when he's on the floor. It, it, that's the yeah. three-point shooting in his scouting profile, no? Or am I thinking? Perhaps. And he, again, can space it from time to time. Aiton's a guy who early in his career loved taking those like 20, 25 footers. Um, he loved jump shooting and he's got a great touch. But uh, since Chris Paul arrived, he's really become more yeah. of a play around the basket guy and that's what Wiseman would be early in his role I think it could be expand but they just that's the key for them is maybe something a little bit higher ceiling than Looney and maybe one more of that create for myself and others player uh, that just takes the place of a Jordan Poole or even takes the place of a Clay Thompson in certain situations all right I do feel we should end this talking about the winner the Phoenix Suns, uh, not giving all our time on the Warriors. I guess one, is this the best team in the league right now? Yes. And uh, shout out Devin Booker. Great tweet. No loss November. Um, <laughs> we'll see what his injury status is. Hopefully he's fine. But again, I, I mentioned this in our check-in. Best team uh, in the West last year, made it to the finals and had the highest level of continuity from last season to this season allows them. It was kind of like that, the Raptors teams of great, like 2017 through 2019, where you just add in a guy, plug and play, you can play every single type of defensive scheme. Uh, night to night, there's so much continuity that you can face different styles of offense and still defend at a really high level. And then offensively, they're actually playing faster this year because they figured out Booker and Paul had to share the time between the two of them and how they want to operate the offense. Um, it's just such a versatile team. Uh, I think the one thing that they're perhaps missing uh, in, in their role to really make them a complete championship favorite would be one more wing. It, they did have Tory Craig last year as that small ball five bigger wing guy who can just take like six to eight minutes, draw, take a couple fouls. Um, Dario Saric is out for the year as well. That's another guy who normally would slot into that sort of role. Um, so that's maybe a guy that they're missing. But McGee was such a great ad this offseason. And this Phoenix Suns team, like they, I picked them to finish top of the West this year, and they very well should. Yeah, and I think McGee in part is so effective because teams have to throw their biggest and best defenders on Aiton mm -hmm. to keep him out of the paint, and they do so at some effectiveness. At least they don't get run over by Aiton. And then when Aiton comes off, it's like, oh no, you have to deal with someone even taller and wilier around the net. And if you had the defender on to deal with Aiton, the chances of you having another like big tall paint defender to pull out of your back pocket to stick on McGee is just, I, I don't know if there's any team in the league that has that. Um, yeah. I, I feel like Chris Paul really the only player on this team who doesn't have like more upside in his potential is maybe the other. I'm not even like, yeah. this is not one of my hate takes against no. CP, which there will be plenty more of, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, it's just a fact of his age, but like Booker, Aiton, Bridges, these guys are all going to get better. Uh, Johnson, Payton, or not Payton, Payne, but maybe Payton as well. Like these guys are all going to get better. This team, like, I'm that potential combined with the playoff rub, combined with the defensive effort they've put out against the Nets and Warriors so far has me so excited to see this team in the playoffs. So, and we will definitely see them there.
just a matter of what seed and who they'll be playing. For now, I think that wraps up our NBA talks. A little more basketball, though, here, eh? Yeah, just really quick. I, I will deep dive into Bancaro and Holmgren as our most likely one-two picks, although Bancaro could be sliding. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Max. He loses seven pounds a game, apparently. Uh, he's got a deficiency. It causes him to sweat and lose a ton of vitamins while he plays. He has to drink this special, like, super hydrating fluid. Um, he's been battling cramps all season. So definitely a storyline to watch because he can't definitely can't be your number one pick if he's in danger of only giving you 25 minutes a night. So something to watch there for sure. I'll dive deeper into these guys as we get along, just not tonight. Um, the only game of note really in college this week was Duke after their big statement win against Gonzaga goes and lose to unranked Ohio state. Uh, just classic letdown game. Um, I wouldn't read too much into it, but I'll keep on the pulse of college ball as the season goes along and, and keep y'all updated, but that's it for me. We'll move on to talking hockey and uh, on to the number one team in the National Hockey League, kind of under the radar. I think it's because they played a lot of their games recently on the West Coast and no one wanted to stay up to watch. But the Toronto Maple Leafs, I felt like I feel like we haven't talked nearly enough about this team. That's partially because of my attitude towards them at the beginning of the year. Uh, but it's hard to stay away. When this team is sitting top of the charts, they're just on an absolute roll, a historical franchise record month uh, for November in what they've done. And they are banking a lot of points at the right time in order to set themselves up for a great run uh, into the middle of the season here so that they're in a great spot when the absolute gong show of all-star game Olympics, and then right back into just a sprint at the end of the year, they can lean on this production that they've put up early on in the season as, as a sort of buffer to in case they have injuries or anything like that. Who scheduled the all-star game in an Olympic year, but I told you all these things and all these things going on at the early start of the season went straight now the goal scoring and figure out the power play was just a blip. The penalty kill would get better. I didn't know Jack Campbell would play at Vesna level. I didn't know this would be one of the best defensive teams in the league, if not the best. Uh, the offense has been ridiculous the past four games, I believe, and the story. But on the uh, 17 and two tear, there's been a lot more than offense going for this team. Uh, so it's interesting because. We, I think the last time we went in depth on the Leafs, you talked about how it didn't matter until we got to playoff hockey. And that's an attitude so many Leafs fans hold that that's the majority of what they even talk about on the mainstream broadcast, which is pretty unprecedented, I feel like, to see so many, like so much cynicism and jade towards such a hot team. You don't see that on professional broadcasts you see it more on like fan uh, forums anyway maybe the best case against that point of view or the most optimism is this is a team playing a style of hockey that's going to translate well into the playoffs right now 
Yeah. Yes, on a regular season basis, they're putting forth great efforts. The defense is there. But I still would like to see a little bit more. We've had more goals in front of the net. We've had more pucks going through traffic, more high danger scoring chances. I know that the big thing that I talked about early on this season was they shot it a lot, but it, it never seemed like there were dangerous chances that they were getting. They're getting more dangerous chances now. Um, the goaltending really is like awesome. I love Jack and Joseph Wool has been great so far in his limited run as well. Um, but I'd like to see them go through a period where the goaltending isn't as solid. Uh, and that would be kind of the good measuring stick of, of what this team can do from a team perspective. Uh, Cause everything looks better when your goalie's playing well, they, they are, they do have a solid defensive scheme, but I still worry about them when it gets down into crunch time, are they going to get bullied a little bit uh, around the margins? Well, I think uh, last night against the Avs, annihilating them eight to three. Uh, I saw a game in the first two periods where Jack Campbell didn't need to be any better than average because the puck wasn't shot on him that often. And when it was, it wasn't that high dangerous scoring chance. Uh, and that was just a solid amount of good forechecking, good getting back on defense. I especially like to see the spring and hall step defensively whenever he was back checking on a dangerous rush. Um, so I know a backup situation for the avalanche that maybe got them a couple more than the eight they should have. But also I think a lot of those hard to stop. Did you see Matthews? Uh, oh, He's so in good. front of an, the, oh, that the, handling, it looks <laughs> like he's going to go backhand top shelf and he just turns on a dime. Oh. It, the shaving the stash, it unleashed his full potential. I'm telling you, the baby-faced assassin, he's back. Yeah, it's, uh, don't you know, his mustache is made of a titanium. It adds like 50 pounds when he's skating. So shaving it off, he's just Wait, Who so is he, Rock lighter. Lee, bro? Exactly. Goku, come on. Oh, okay, I gotcha. No, it's uh, it's awesome to see. Did you know this is only his fourth career hat trick for a guy who scored so many goals? He they usually yeah. don't come in in it's groups two. of three. It's often two. I remember that from last season. Yeah. So, uh, if that's most of the Leafs talk, I'll throw out a segue talking point here. My favorite thing about this Leaf season is John Tavares having a season that could put him on the Team Canada Olympic roster. I feel like he's almost got it locked in just because yeah. of his previous experience exactly. on this team. And he's exactly the kind of shutdown guy you'd want to put on a fourth line of an Olympic yeah. team. Um, the lineup that Chris Johnson posted at the beginning of the year on Sportsnet included a fourth line of Couturier, Tavares, and Stamkos. Um, yeah, how's that oh, for a veteran shutdown line? Even like Stamkos, maybe not the most defensively sound guy everyone's ever thought of, but I mean, you could plug in Mark Stone there and then what sort of offense is the other team going to generate? Yeah, but you look at the season that you are having and Stamkos is your guy right now, I think. Um, we'll just move them up in the lineup is what I mean. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, you think about the last Team Canada we sent 
to the Olympics in 2014 and the veteran experience was super important there uh, going for guys with age and so I think there will be some of that mindset as well like thinking and Duncan Keith Brent Seabrook they like their chemistry as well so if Marner's going that might be a bit more encouragement to have Tavares as well as maybe a Riley Brody um, just to have some familiarity there um, bringing up the crop but while uh, the Team Canada speculation for the Olympics will go on for some time, we're a lot closer to knowing the shortlist for the Team Canada World Junior roster as the selection roster went out a couple days ago. And the biggest story is this could be a triple first overall uh, draft pick team with this year's first overall draft pick, Owen Power of the Buffalo Sabres being on the list, uh, right? The a potential number one pick for this year being on the list, and Connor Bedard, the much hyped uh, potential number one pick for the following year, also on the list. Um, Bedard would be joining players such as McDavid, Crosby, making the team at such an age, uh, so puts him right on track for the potential that gained a lot of buzz at the uh, past international tournament for the under 18 team. This season has been going before that, I'm sure, in circles I wasn't listening to. Other notes from the roster for me, a lot, despite that crazy stat, a lot less uh, first rounders than we had last year. Yeah, there's, there's a couple guys who have been drafted who are returning, like a Cole Perfetti, uh, Hendrick yeah. Slapierre, uh, Kevin Gooley, but yeah, a lot of fresh faces on this Team Canada roster. I got a, a lot of guys that Canadians are going to fall in love with over the uh, the Christmas holidays. And I mean, it's so hard to read into any of the guys how they play here because it could be so different when they step into the NHL or even if they ever make it there. But just fun to enjoy, watch the kids play. Uh, I'm just so pumped to watch these three number one overall picks potentially all play together on the same team. It's that's what I'm going to be keyed in on. There you go. Uh, we'll looking forward to covering that. It'll be our second year in doing. So I uh, mm -hmm. really enjoyed it last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. That'll wrap up our talking hockey segment. We got one more for you on this pod with, a fair and few notes. I don't know how long each one will be dwelled on, but a bit more than a bit for baseball this time. Yes, sir. Uh, free agency in the MLB mm. taking, doing its best impression of the NBA free agency that they've tried to do in a long time. Typically baseball, it kind of just one thing trickles out after another, but lots and lots of signings in the last couple of days. So I had to touch on them. Biggest one off the top. Max Scherzer eclipsing the $40 million per year mark. Uh, the first guy to do that in Major League Baseball. He now makes $31 million more a year than Connor McDavid. Um, so it just shows you the difference there between those two sports in terms of salaries. Uh, Scherzer, of course, is worth it. He is a premier starting pitcher uh, and has been for over a decade. So it's a great deal for the Mets. They continue to splurge with their new owner who uh, brought in Francisco Lindor last year and now Scherzer this year. They're trying to gear up to make a run. Um, Marcus Stroman, 
who was on the Mets moving over to the Chicago Cubs. I always like to keep track of him because he's got a special place in Blue Jays fans' hearts. Um, speaking of the Blue Jays, a couple of guys on the move in and out of Toronto. The Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray, signing a big-time deal, five years, $115 million with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, that's a big splash from a team who doesn't often spend a ton of money. Uh, they were able to because their uh, top-tier third baseman, Corey Seager, signed a 10-year, $340 million deal with the Texas Rangers. Um, massive, massive deal there. Uh, Seager, another one of those guys who is just an incredibly consistent player. Um, he's great value, but that's what opened up the space for the Mariners to grab Ray, uh, the Blue Jays. Then that frees them up to go and grab Kevin Gausman um, at five years, 110, a very similar deal. The only difference here, Gausman, much younger, uh, hitting the prime of his career. Now, Robbie Ray was a proven commodity this year that the Jays really rehabbed, a guy who had Cy Young stuff, but was nowhere near the Cy Young level. They turned him around, turned him into an incredible pitcher. He goes, gets paid. My opinion, I don't know if he'll be able to sustain the same level of production. Um, so you're just hoping as a Jays fan that they can do the same thing for Ray. They can do it now for Gosman and really maximize his potential as a pitcher. Gosman, Ryu, Barrios as a one, two, three is really, really solid. Uh, in this Jays starting rotation, they just need to figure out four and five, but they're now a team that is spending a ton of money to open up this window to win. Now it's now been two off seasons in a row that they've spent the money, even starting three years ago when they got Ryu uh, Jays fans have to be excited that this ownership group is actually committed to putting money forth to bring in top tier guys so that the Jays can win ball games. And I'm pumped for next season. This is a really amazing starter to grab if he's your number three guy. Uh, last one here, just talk about the Detroit Tigers grabbing Javier Baez, six years, 140. Another big deal for Javi Baez. Um, his most notable achievement, Max, don't know if you saw it this year, was hitting a ground ball, running down to first. They throw it to first, but he turns around and starts running towards home, uh, and the guy trying to tag him. And then the guy from third runs home. So the first baseman gives up on trying to chase him back and tagging him and throws home. The guy is safe. Javi Baez gets to first, then rounds first, gets stuck in a, in a rundown. They miss him on the tag, gets the second, gets the third. No. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch that clip. It was, it was pretty stunning, but he's a fun, fun player to watch, obviously, in his very early days, a, a part of that Chicago Cubs World Series. And so the Tigers are hoping that he can bring that winning pedigree to their organization as they are on the up and up. Um, do you make it home in that sequence or end up there? I don't even remember. It was so wild, but I got to go back and find it and send it to you. It's just, it's just hilarious. It's quite the yeah. scene. So yeah, while all that free agency was happening, the MLB ownership just kind of slid in there and said, oh, yeah, there's also a lockout coming. Oh. Like the, the quietest lockout. Sorry, Jays fans. Maybe ever you've seen in professional sports. Now, the general sense is that there is a lockout right now, but it's not going to maintain into the start of the season. Like it should be something that gets resolved. That's the general sense right now. But just the word lockout 
is a pretty big buzzword that does have you with a bit of concern, of course, which is natural. Um, it's the first lockout the MLB has had in 26 and a half years. Uh, the last time was 1994, and that was a condensed season. So we're hoping that that doesn't happen, uh, but it is it is always possible. Uh, My memory goes a bit more recent than that to uh, the COVID negotiations where mm-hmm. the NBA and NHL, who were able to get theirs sorted and get their playoffs underway quicker than the MLB, who should have been in the midst of their regular season and kind of had a bit more urgency, I thought, given the situation and were slower to get to it. Yeah, it, and that could be a piece that perhaps the ownership group was willing to give up a little bit and the players felt like they were willing to get give up a little bit in order to get that done. And so now they're trying to use that as leverage for this negotiation, saying we gave up that two years ago. We want this now. Uh, and that's why things are stalling. The lockout, of course, happens because the owners believe that the players association is asking for too much and is using it as their kind of final, there's going to be no season unless you agree to our terms, um, which is just quite the powerful play that the players don't necessarily have that type of move. Uh, I think things will get sorted out. Rob Manfred uh, sent a letter to fans that people probably just threw into the trash. Uh, he's not the most liked dude uh, as our most commissioners but who is the most liked commissioner it's got to be adam silver like he only gets small things thrown at him when he goes out well, on the street yeah just with him it's more like apathy rather than yeah. general um resentment the other three guys are actually disliked whereas adam still has that kind of like well he still does cool things sometimes and when he and when there's anything poor going on, it's just kind of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So silver for sure is kind of the best of the worst in a sense. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So there you have it. MLB uh, takes two steps in the right direction and one step back, market your players for a big free agency and then throw a lockout right on top of it. What else is new? That's it for me. I don't know. This felt like a good positive vibes podcast. I didn't want to end it with the lockout, but we'll just kind of brush past it and, and get pumped up for your concert coming up. And I'm just excited for the weekend nearly upon us. Yeah. My closing note kind of annoyed vibes. I'll try and spin it positive. I'm on uh, a second consecutive year of not getting any Spotify wrapped this actually really upsets me and i don't understand it whatsoever so like check it out when i go wrapped all i get is these two things like my songs your top songs that's that's basically but then but like i don't get the cool infographic with like like these are the songs i have this playlist but i don't get the infographic being like here's your five like um, most listened to artists here's like the genres you listen to here's how many minutes you listen to here's all Update these other your phone what that's not it <laughs> i'll do that but there's no Did you way. try turning it off and on again 
So I thought we were trying to end on a positive vibe here. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty positive. <laughs> I, I think my music taste is just too complex for Spotify mm. and they can't figure out how to package it into their That's honestly thing. it. If it's not Taylor Swift or if it's not Drake or if it's not yeah. insert other like popular indie group, then Spotify rap just breaks. That's the conclusion I'm taking from this and ignoring all metalhead wrapped I saw on Instagram because I like our explanation better. All right. Sounds good. That's it for this one. Thanks everyone so much for listening. We're into December. We are on the road to episode 100 in the near future. Uh, but until then, Enjoy the basketball, enjoy the football, enjoy the hockey, the soccer, the baseball, whatever tickles your fancy. Uh, now's the time to enjoy the small comforts of life as Max and I try to do so uh, right now. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Max. Sports Next Door signing off. <laughs>